Well, thank you. Thank you. Be seated. We're going to. Amen. Amen. Turning your Bibles to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Thank you, Dr. Getch, for the opportunity to come and preach uh, this morning. Uh, it is an honor to be here. It's an honor to serve on staff. I'm thankful for our pastor uh, for bringing me here, for recruiting me. Uh, it's just an honor to, to serve him in, in the many capacities that I, that I serve him in. I guess I should take the, the time to say, but while I have all of you in, in one spot, since so many of you ask me all the time, you heard Dr. Getch, my, my title is pastor's assistant. I'm not pastor's bodyguard, I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not secret service or anything like that. I, I'm just pastor's assistant, that's, that's all. Uh, but yes, it's an, it's an honor to be here. I, Ten years ago, I sat where you sat. It's, it's, it's an honor. Well, not all of you. I, I sat where you gentlemen are sitting. Uh, it, it wasn't this full when I was here, Dr. Getch. Now, for the first, I don't know, year, year and a half, I was up there by myself. <laughs> and now it's, it's full. So I, I, I'm going to take the credit for the fact that it's full today. <laughs> and... I'm, I'm also going to take the blame for why some of you get called down to the front during service because pastor likes the front row filled. So I'm going to take the blame for that too. So I'm sorry if you decide to sit in the back. Maybe you should just stop sitting in the back. Come to the front. Whole another story. Whole different message. Amen. All right. We're going we're gonna to get to John 11. First, we're going to have some fun because, because this happened to me when I, was, when I was a freshman and I think when I was a senior as well. So I'm going to have some fun, and I'm going to do it too. Uh, it's, like, it's like those things where people always ask you, like as soon as you get married, like people, the, the first question they want to ask you, when are you having kids? When are you, you going to have kids, brother? I don't know. I got married two weeks ago. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, but, but they continually and persistently ask you. Uh, it's, it's similar to that. So when I was here, my, again, my, my freshman and my senior year, they, the preacher thought it would be funny to come up here and do what I'm about to do. So we're going to have some fun. If you are in the room today and you are dating, stand up. Yes, yes. That's, yes I've been waiting to do this for 10 years, Dr. Getch. Wonderful. Wonderful. Don't be ashamed. It's okay. It's wonderful. This, this is part of the reason we're here. All right, sit down. Sit down because we don't really care about you guys. If you're single, stand on up. Yes. Yes. Now, now if, if you're in the front here, you got to turn around a little bit. Look around. Ladies, if you see a handsome guy, smile at him. Maybe wave. Look around, look around, turn around, guys. Come on now. Wow, that's, that's a lot of single people. What, what are you guys doing around here? My soul. Look around, take a good look, smile at somebody, wave. Ask somebody on a date later, whatever you got to do. All right, this is why we're here. Sit down. This is great. I've been waiting to do that for 10 years. So I got it out. Praise God. 
All right, John 11 in your Bibles. If you're tired, say amen. amen. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's midterm, we gotta get it. If you're hungry, say amen. amen. Yeah, I, I know, I know. So if you say that, amen that loudly while we're going through the message, then I won't be as long. All right, if you're able, stand to your feet. We'll read one, maybe two verses in John 11, because we're going to go through a lot of it during the message. Um, this passage, when I was where you are, literally changed my life. And I'm going to preach it to you the way God preached it to me. And I'm going to tell you two stories. I'm going to tell you the story of Lazarus, and I'm going to tell you my story, which, if I'm being completely honest with you, I don't want to tell you. I'm a very private person, but God told me to tell you the story, so I'm going to tell you. And it lines up exactly with our passage this morning. John chapter 11, if you're there, say amen. amen. Verse 14, the Bible says, then Jesus says Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Father, I ask now that you would bless the reading of your word and the preaching of your word. May I be filled with the Holy Spirit. May I say only what you would have me to say. Nothing more and nothing less. May your word be used to change these lives this morning like it changed mine. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Be seated. Thank you. To fully understand the context of chapter 11, you have to understand that in chapter 9, Jesus has healed the blind man. The man that was blind from his birth, and Jesus has brought him sight, and now he's going around praising God and giving praise to Jesus Christ. He, he doesn't really know who the man who saved him, uh, who brought him sight, but now he, he during later in the chapter 9, he, we get uh, kind of an understanding, of, oh, this is Jesus who did this. And, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're not happy with Jesus. They, they want to stone the man. But Jesus has a different, different idea. Chapter 10, Jesus comes to these blind people, these Pharisees, these uh, Sadducees, these spiritually blind people who, who are asking God, are we blind? Jesus Christ says you are. If you were blind, then your sins would be forgiven. But since you say we see, then so many words, I can't help you. But Jesus takes time in chapter 10 to give us the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. Jesus Christ says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So Jesus is trying to give us some insight into the more abundant life. And it's all about your relationship with the shepherd. But interestingly enough, following chapter 10, right after chapter 10, it's this passage on Lazarus. So I, in my study, believe the foundation of the more abundant life is your relationship with the shepherd. But your follow-through of the more abundant life is this matter of belief. This matter of belief. But belief is an interesting thing. As one author said, uh, it's, you never know how much you really believe something until it's truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. It's easy to say you believe a rope to be strong as long as you are merely using it to cord or tie a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a precipice. Wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? Today, from the life of Lazarus, we're going to find out 
in the matter of life and death. How much those who were closest to Jesus really believed him. And in the process, we're going to find out how much you really believe Jesus. So are you ready? Say amen. amen. If you're ready, say amen. amen. I've got six points. And we're going to fly through this chapter, so I need you to pay attention. The title, as you can see, is Go Get a Story. Now, we know how this ends. Lazarus is raised from the dead. Imagine Lazarus' testimony. Imagine Lazarus' story when this is all said and done. I was literally dead. Not spiritually, not emotionally. I was literally dead in the grave. Four days. Jesus Christ himself called me. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And I got up out of the grave. Imagine his testimony. And my prayer today is that each one of you have a testimony. That each one of you go get a story. Number one, are you ready? Wow, that was weak. Number one, are you ready? Number one, the message delivered. The message delivered. Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. You can hear the desperation in their voices. Lord, he whom thou lovest is sick. Behold, take notice. We need you now. Your your best friend, Lazarus, the the one you care so much about, the one you love, he's he's sick, God. Come, come heal him. Do do whatever you got to do, but come quickly. The message delivered. There was a message received in verse number one. The Bible says, a certain man who was sick named Lazarus. Number two, it was that Mary which anointed Jesus the Lord with ointment. Verse three, there his, for his sisters said unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Verse four, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now you have to, you have to hold on to this because we're going to come back to it later. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. The message received by Jesus, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. The message returned to Mary and Martha. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. So you get a different perspective. And the Bible's not boring. Whoever says that it is hasn't read it. You get a different perspective when you put yourselves in the shoes of the different people in the story. So imagine Martha and Mary, when they receive Jesus' message back, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, the Son of God might be glorified thereby. In their minds, they're thinking, Jesus Christ is on the way. Does that not make sense? It's not unto death. Lazarus is not going to die. However this ends up, Lazarus will not be dead. So if I'm Martha and Mary, oh good, Jesus is on the way. Lazarus is good to go. The message delivered, the message received, the message returned. I don't know what the message is that God has for you today. But I'll tell you what, I prayed for a number of days because I sat where you sat these 10 years ago And I imagine, what is it that I needed to hear? And it's this matter of belief that I kept on coming back to. And I prayed that God would give each person in this room a circumstance where you need God to miraculously come through 
for you specifically. Not for somebody else, not for a family member, not for the faculty, but for you specifically. So if you already have one of those, could you, could you raise your hand? But you need God to come through for you in a miraculous way. That's awesome. And I pray that God will give the rest of you that don't a specific circumstance. But for those of you who do, and for those of you who will have one, whatever that message that God has given you, whatever plan he has given you, I don't know what it specifically is, but I know one thing. Whether therefore you eat or drink whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. The Son of God wants to be glorified thereby. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's. Uh, God wants to get the glory from it, not, not you get the glory, not, not something that you have done, not something that you can get take the credit for. God wants to get glory from it. The message delivered. My story, the message delivered to me. Again, it's, it's like the, the single and the dating thing. My senior year comes, and somebody does this again. They think they're funny. These, these preachers who do this thing, I, I don't know why. Make these singles stand up here. I, how many of you know Miss Patricia Blassingame? Wow, that's, that's amazing. Even better, though, so you don't have to ask her about my story specifically. The fewer details you get, the better. Although I'm going to give you plenty of them today. I sat here where you're sitting, and the preacher does that. He does my freshman year. I'm not so worried about it. My senior year, though, he does it again, and I'm still standing up on the single side. So I'm wondering, okay, God, can you give me some direction here? And I, and I promise you, it had to be within a week of, of, of each other. Dr. Getch asked me, hey, you dating anyone? <laughs> no, sir, do you see me sitting with anybody in chapel? No, I'm not dating anyone. <laughs> I, I didn't tell him that, but I mean, no, sir, no, sir, I'm not. I'm not to Getch. Are you looking? <laughs> yes, Dr. Getch, yes, sir, yes, sir, I'm looking. And I promise you, within a week, but before the week was up, Dr. Rasmussen. <laughs> Are you dating anyone? No, sir. Do you see me sitting with anybody in chapel? No, I'm not dating anybody. No, sir, I'm not, I'm not dating anybody. Are you looking? No, sir. What do you think? Yes, sir, I, I'm, I'm looking, I'm praying. I'm seeking the Lord's direction. I promise you, before the week was up, Dr. Weaver, <laughs> I, 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 I am telling you the truth. I, I promise you. Dr. Weaver, Sherrod, are, are you dating anybody? No. no, sir. Do you see me sitting with anybody in chapel? No, I'm not dating anybody. Are you, are you looking? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm looking. I'm praying for some direction. So you can imagine my prayers get a little more intensified when I'm asking God for some direction about who I'm supposed to marry. And my message delivered was to Miss Patricia Blassingame. She came to me and said, I, I, I cannot make this stuff up. You have to understand, as me being who I am, I, I, I don't like women telling me what to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, ladies. I know, that's, I know that's a little offensive in this day and age, but it, it, like, ask me, make suggestions, just don't tell me straight up what to do. Like, I don't feel good about that. It may, maybe it's our pride, I, I, don't, I don't know, but it doesn't really matter. So when she comes to me and tells me, God told me who you're supposed to marry, 
You know what my answer was? Ha! No. That was, that was the message delivered. She, she gave me a name, and we'll get to the rest of the story later. But my answer was no. Number two, the master's delay. The master's delay. You can understand the special closeness that this family had with Jesus Christ. The town of Bethany is one of the last stops, if not the last stop, on your way to Jerusalem. It's only a mile and a half, two miles away from Jerusalem. So most travelers would stay the night there and continue their trip in the morning on their way to Jerusalem. So Jesus Christ obviously went to Jerusalem much during his earthly ministry and ended up spending a lot of time in this town with Martha and Mary. So you can imagine that they were pretty close. But aside from the special closest, there's a supposed callousness. Verse number four, when Jesus heard that, he said the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. His supposed callousness. Uh, Lord, he whom thou loves is sick. This is your best friend. God, he needs you now. Modern, modern, modern day vernacular. Uh, your best friend is sick, and you're, you're a great doctor, and you can, you can have him. And you sit there for the next two days and say, I'm good. It's pretty much what Jesus did. How close they were, you were expecting Jesus to get up right away and, hey, let's go help our friend. But the Son of God needed to be glorified in the situation. Jesus has healed many people. Many. But God needed to get some glory from this situation. And here's where it gets difficult for most of us when it comes to getting a story. When God delays, the master's delay. It's uncomfortable waiting. And in all honesty, it's natural for us to believe that we know what is best for us. And, here, and here's, here's a little tip for you. This is, this is like Bible doctrines level 400 stuff. Are you ready? You are not God. I, I, know, I know that's deep. I, I, know, I know you won't get that to BDOX 4, but, but you're not God. And you don't know what's best for you. You don't. You can ask God and he can show you, but you in your finite mind don't know what is best for you. Because you're not God. Listen, Jesus may not come when you want him, but he's always an on-time God. Always. That has never changed. Martha and Mary are about to find out. So in my story... Miss Patricia gives me a name, and I told her no. And I'll tell you, another, and I'll tell you the reason. <laughs> uh, ladies, I'm sorry in advance, okay? Uh, call me shallow, call me whatever you like. She gave me the name, and I told her no for one reason. I was not physically attracted to this young lady. I know, I know. I'm sorry. 
call me shallow, do, do whatever you want. It, that's just the way it was. Ladies, if you think I'm so shallow, ask your boyfriend if he's physically attracted to you. And if, and if, and if he says no, then he's either a liar or we have other problems, okay? <laughs> if he thinks you're beautiful or if he thinks you're pretty, he's gotta think something and ask him if that's the reason why he talked to you in the first place. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not so shallow anymore, am I? Okay, okay, that's, that's what I thought. I told her no. And I'm thinking, but a little bit of time goes along, and I'm like, okay, God, maybe she is the one. So God, would you make her attractive to me? I, I'm telling you the God honest truth. And you know what God told me? I heard him as audibly as I hear you all laughing right now. He said, two can play that game. Ha, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm not lying. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. He told me no. The mention of Didymus, number three. The mention of Didymus. I think this portion of the story often gets overlooked when we're, when we're reading. I'm sorry, I skipped a point. We're, get, we're gonna get there, we're gonna get there. Go back to number three, I'm sorry. The moment of direction. Moment of direction, verse number seven. Then after that he say, saith he to the disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he should do well. Howbeit, Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Uh, the moment of direction. Uh, the disciples decided to remind the Lord of danger. Uh, Lord, we just came from Judea, but you heal the blind man and everybody's getting ready to stone you. Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in a day? But what does daylight have to do with death threats? Jesus said, there are 12 hours in the day. You have to understand the Jewish time frame, their scheme of things. Uh, the day was divided into two 12-hour periods. Daylight and darkness. We would consider day before 12. After that, it's afternoon and get to evening. The 12-hour period is like when the sun rises, when the sun is up, when there's light, daylight, and when the sun is down, darkness. Jesus said, as these two things are preordained, as, as the time schedule and the, 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 uh, the amount, the imagination, the very... Configuration of time itself is fixed. I created it. So my earthly ministry is fixed. We're not going there to die. I said we're going that we may raise Lazarus from the dead. Time is fixed. Jesus' earthly ministry is fixed. Time was preordained by Jesus Christ himself. His earthly ministry preordained by Christ himself. The moment of direction. There is reminding the Lord of danger, but the response of the Lord directly. There was a realization of Lazarus's death. The disciples finally get some clarity, some direction. Uh, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll be fine. He'll get better, obviously. Why are we going? Lazarus is dead. The reason for a late departure. 
Verse 15, I'm glad for your sakes that he, I was not there. You ever think Jesus is, is testing you and, and thinking he, everything is just going the wrong way? And it's, it's very possible. He is. Jesus is sitting there. He says, I'm glad I wasn't there for your sakes. I'm glad for your uncomfortableness. I'm glad for your struggle. I'm glad for your trial. Why? To the intent ye may believe. I'm about to give Lazarus a story that people will read about for thousands of years to come. I'm about to give Lazarus a story. I'm about to give him a testimony. But I couldn't be there for it. I couldn't be there to heal. I'm glad I wasn't for your sakes that you may believe. How's God directing you? That circumstance that you need God to move miraculously in a special way, how is he directing you? Is there some confusion on your part? Is there some waiting? Is there some testing? I know, it's uncomfortable. Stretching is uncomfortable. But we need it. We need it so we can believe, so we can have faith, so we can have confidence in the God who created the entire world. And it's amazing. We, we have the, the belief in God to, to save our souls from hell and to give us an eternal home in heaven. But after that, it's like the everyday things we struggle with. You're trusting your entire eternity to God and, and, and you can't trust him with a school bill? It's, it's getting quiet. We can sit here. The moment of direction. For me, God told me no. I told Miss Patricia no. He told me no. And then he told me for my moment of direction, you submit and I'll make her attractive. I, I can't make this stuff up. And I, and I, and I talked to God and I'm like, why? Why? This is, this is, this is the way that you've made a man to, to be physically attracted to a lady. Why can't you make her attractive? And, and I'll go full force, God. We're at it. I'll, I'll take her on dates. We'll, we'll, we'll plan the wedding. We'll get it all done. And he told me, no, you submit that that's the lady I have for you, and then I'll make her attractive. Okay, God. Number four, the mention of Didymus. Now, this is what I was talking about, often gets overlooked. Verse 16. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. What? What page are you on? But the book of John is the only one that gives us insight into these things that Thomas or Didymus says. What do we call Thomas? Doubting Thomas. Why? Okay, he doubts. Okay, give me, give me a story. Give me a reason. 
After the resurrection, what? He said he wouldn't believe I won't believe unless I see the prince in his hands and his feet. That's why we call him Doubting Thomas. Do you know where that passage is found? John. Is it found in any other book? No. The entire book of John is about belief. The word believe or a form of it is found 90 times in the book of John. It's found 37 times in the other three gospels combined. And the word is found nine times in our passage alone. So tell me it's about anything other than belief. So we get insight into Thomas. He's doubting Thomas for two reasons, I believe. The upper room is one of them, but here as well. Because Jesus just went through and said, my ministry is preordained just like time itself is preordained. I created it. I know how it functions. This is my earthly ministry. I know when it's going to end. He just said, we're going to wake Lazarus out of sleep. And, La and Thomas's response, let's go and die. What, what page do you have to be on? So why do you doubt God? Is it because it looks too difficult? Is it because things are too hard? Is it because you don't understand? I had to die to my plans. I had to die to myself. I had to die to my will. And it was uncomfortable. It was a strain. It took months. I literally sat here in this front row and heard preachers talk to me specifically. And I still argued with God and told him no. Because it's uncomfortable. Number five, the morning of death. Verse 17. Jesus is finally on his way. Jesus came, he found he's been dead in the grave four days already. Verse 20, Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming, met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. I could see her reasoning. But go to uh, verse number 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. D Didn't we just read that? You know what that tells me? This was rehearsed. But it doesn't stop there. Because in verse 37, and some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Really? So here's the moment you've all been waiting for. Because somebody cheated, we're gonna to have to compare it to a modern day Bethany. But if you heard about Operation Thursday, if you're able, stand up. Outstanding, outstanding. So let me tell you about Operation Thursday. I told one person, Operation Thursday, 
and I gave him what Operation Thursday was. And I said, tell mm, two, three people. And he did exactly that. Now, some of you cheated and, and used your phones to text people, and that's fine. We'll, we'll go with the modern day Bethany. But it was supposed to be strictly word of mouth thing. But Operation Thursday, if, if you know what it is, loud and clear, Operation Thursday is? Loud and, loud and clear, come on now. Failure. Failure. This is the kind of situation I believe Jesus walked into when he came to Bethany. One person told somebody something, and they rehearsed it, and now an entire town is filled with unbelief. The entire town has, where Jesus has come to do something miraculous. Jesus, you're a failure. If you were here, Lazarus would not have died. So I believe in his humanity, although Jesus Christ is fully God, I believe in his humanity. Jesus Christ was overwhelmed with the amount of unbelief in this city, in this town. And I believe that's why Jesus wept. Interestingly enough, the, the Greek words groan and wept are synonyms. When you find the mourners or the weeping, they're loud, obnoxious, crying. That's completely different from the word in the Greek for Jesus wept. And the only difference between groaning and wept is, in my studies, the physical tears. All the emotions are the same. Well, why did Jesus groan? Well, look in your Bibles. Don't, don't take my word for it. Why was Jesus groaning twice? In verse 35, 36, 37, 38. He groaned twice. Come on now, this is, this is Bible college. We're looking at our Bibles. Verse 38, Jesus, why is Jesus groaning in verse 38? Talk to me. What did the people say? Filled with unbelief. Verse 33. Jews weeping. Saw her weeping. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Why? Because those closest to Jesus had spread their unbelief like an airborne pathogen. Remember, verse 4, Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. Be seated, please. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And nobody believed him. Nobody. Morning of death. I had to die to my plants. I told you, it was uncomfortable. And to be honest with you, I did not believe that Jesus would make my future wife now attractive. I didn't believe it. I'm telling you exactly how God preached it to me. It was uncomfortable. In my head, unbelievable, undoable. If she's not attracted to me now, she won't be attracted to me later. 
Number six, and we're almost done. The miracle displayed. Verse 39, Jesus said, take ye away the stone, the preparation for the miracle. Verse 40, said not, not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. They took away the stone. Verse 42, I knew that thou hearest me always. Jesus talking to his father. Verse 44, verse 43, and when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. The power of the Messiah. Jesus Christ, fully God incarnate, told this dead man for four days, Lazarus, come forth. And he gets up and walks out of the grave. But the plan for the multitudes. Verse 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus said, what? Talk to me. Believed on it, the plan for the multitudes. I know Jesus wants to do that miracle in your life, that circumstance. I know he does. Why? Because you can't do it. I know he wants to do it because you can't do it and because he can get the glory out of it. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. It's for his glory. I know he wants to do it. But the preparation for the miracle is the part where I think we get hung up on. Jesus told them to take away the stone. Could Jesus have thought and the stone disintegrated? Could he have waved his hand and the stone rolled away by itself? Absolutely. Where's their part in it? Why on earth would Jesus tell, do something when we can do it? Jesus gets no glory from moving the stone. None. Man can do that. Jesus gets glory for what's about to happen afterwards. When, I, when Jesus brings a dead man to life, that, that brings Jesus Christ glory. Jesus Christ will not get glory out of anything that you can do on your own. So he's not going to do it. So what stone do you need to move? In order for Jesus Christ to do the miracle that he wants to do in your life, in order for you to get a story like Lazarus so that you can have a testimony, so that people can believe on the name of Jesus Christ, what stone do you need to move? Move it. Get it out the way. Why? Because God's about to do something great. But he's not going to do it till you move the stone. He's about to give you a story. He really wants to. He's going to give you a story. But you have to move the stone. The miracle displayed. Here I am. Graduation day, Dr. Getch. Graduation day. Of all days. I finally decide, you know what, God, okay. I'm going to submit. I'll surrender. It took months, I promise you. This, this whole process started in September. Here we are, graduation. May, June, June. 
Her family comes into town, my family comes into town. I ask permission from her family if I could date her, tell my parents about it, and we all go out to eat. My family, her family, she and I, uh, and Mr. Patricia. <laughs> and we're all at the dinner table. We've all got our food around the plate. And we gather together for prayer. Well, we're sitting together. And in my family, we hold hands when we pray. That, that's just how we do. Well, we're sitting next to each other, so I'm going to hold her hand. <laughs> we graduated. We weren't on the rules anymore. Okay? <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> we're sitting there, hold hands. I pray. They asked me to pray, of all people. So I'm going to bless the food. Lord, bless the food and the nourishment, strengthen to our bodies. I don't know what I said, but I lie not. I said amen, and I looked over, and she was the most beautiful woman in the world. Oh, I got an awe from the ladies. That's nice. <laughs> the miracle displayed. It couldn't happen, though, until I moved a stone. And some of you are expecting God to do something great, but you haven't moved the stone. God is trying to give stories. God's trying to move in lives like Kyle's. There are Kyle's situations all over this room today. He's trying to move. He's, he's trying to give his people stories so that people can believe on him. We've got to move the stone. Move the stone. I told you my story. I've told you Lazarus' story. Now it's your turn. I'm challenging you to go to get a story. Uh, the people that were closest to Jesus, the people who had, who had seen him do so much, didn't believe him. Here you are as Bible college students at West Coast Baptist College, I believe the greatest Bible college on the planet. You are surrounded by godly examples, men who've lived a legacy of faithfulness, uh, ladies as well. You get Bible preaching, teaching, or devotion just about every day, if not every day. You, who God is the closest to, if you don't believe him, my question to you is, why should God give you a story? Will he give you a story? Go get a story. <laughs> 